Ladies and gentlemen, it's showtime. Mic check, one, two, three, one, two, three. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Perfect. Welcome to Showtime, everybody. My name is Adil. Hey, I'm Tian. How's it going, bro? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good, man. I'm just enjoying the weather. You know, we're, we're not even in summer yet, and we're already seeing, what, 35 degrees, real feel 40. So it's amazing, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yep, 30 degrees Celsius, which is like 2 billion degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know how to convert to Fahrenheit, but it's really yes. hot. Yes. Right? It's humid. You go outside, you don't want to go outside, right? When it's summertime, you want to go outside, but it's so hot. It's really exactly hot. like with that uh, yesterday and the day before I went hiking and I uh, went outside, stood outside for five minutes and uh, I started sweating. Yeah, exactly. The other day I was or I should say the other weekend I was out and I remember standing in line uh, to grab some ice cream mm-hmm. and by the time I got my ice cream and before me even getting to my uh, my car, my car was literally like a, a minute walk away or two minutes uh, away from uh, the store. The ice cream already started melting from the bottom half, like the, the from the sides. And that's how humid and hot it was. So you basically uh, drank ice cream. Well, it was getting to that, and so I started eating it fast. But uh, it, it, maybe another ten minutes, it would have been. It would have been that would have been the case. Yeah. Um, so what else do you do over the weekend? Pretty much just uh, went for a run. I worked out. I played some video games. And kind of just, you know, laid back, chill, turned my brain off for a bit. Mm, okay. See, on Saturday, I went to Central Island. It was really hot. Yesterday, I went to Barrie. So uh, nice. for those of you who don't know Barrie, it's just a pretty big city. Well, not that big compared to Toronto. So it's north of Toronto. So we went to Barrie and then we drove north for a little bit more to Awinda Provincial Park, which is like really beautiful provincial park with four beaches and the beaches are amazing. Um, so I would recommend uh, people to uh, check it out. Did you get any photos? I got a lot of photos, but we got to find a place for us to post them. And share with mm. our viewers. True, true. I guess uh, I had to run into a bit of issue yesterday. We were uh, swimming in the lake. If you just imagine, it's a pretty big lake, pretty big lake. But um, we walked pretty far from the parking lot, so there's not a lot of other people there. And uh, the lake, uh, there's not a lot of people on the beach, so the lake was pretty much ours. So we were swimming, and then we were swimming really fast. We were trying to see who can uh, reach certain areas in the lake faster. And mm-hmm. as well as I was swimming, I rammed my knee into a rock. It's, um, yeah, it's not a really like the area we were swimming. It's not that deep, so rocks can still be pretty big. So I rammed my knee into the rock. Thankfully, I rammed my um, the muscle part, not the kneecap. Oh, if it's good. the kneecap, I will be in serious shit. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Dio, what do we have for our viewers today? So today we're going to be talking about how to land the job that you want. 
So, or in other words, how to work towards and, and get the job that you really want. Tiana is going to be taking the lead on this episode. We're also going to be talking about how to stay motivated at work, whether it's working from home or on site. Uh, so let's let's start off with some questions. I think uh, our, it's been a while since we engaged our viewers. Uh, so our viewers had asked us a couple questions. Do we want, do we want to start with that first? Yes, I think that'll be the uh, the best thing to do. Let's let's go ahead and start with that. Okay. So, the questions, well, uh, of course, a lot of questions came in, but uh, these were the ones that we ended up choosing uh, for this episode. Uh, so, question number one, what would your perfect day consist of? Okay. Uh, well, for me, my perfect day, um, it's actually this past Friday. So, I came home, uh, my stocks went up, I finished all the work I had uh, assigned to me and I also uh, did an interview um, nice. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep that a secret I, I did an interview and um, and I just came home and I slept because I you know I've been working really hard I don't get as much sleep as I used to so I just felt like I completed a lot of things I came home I slept and uh, I had dinner and then I went back to sleep so I've been missing sleep for a while so that's that's my idea of a perfect day it's like getting everything I needed uh, finished and then just enjoying myself nice i like that what about you for me the perfect day for me is going to consist of me waking up not tired so you know relaxed having my favorite foods for breakfast you know going through my daily routine which would be to run uh, work out shower and then get ready and then go out and about with my day mm -hmm. but uh a perfect day for me would honestly be just being with your with your family or your friends or your loved ones and having a good time doesn't matter you know you don't even have to be doing anything it's anything special but just having them around having that that you know that aura around you that those positive vibes around you it really boosts your spirits and, you know, motivates you. And, of course, ending the day off with the water and sunset. Water that and would sunset. Be, yes, that would be the, the, the perfect day for me. Okay, that's sweet. Um, okay, uh, what about, uh, the, well, the second question we have is our favorite memory of each other. So this one's going to make <laughs> us go far back, right? Yes. Um, you know, let me let me start this one. I'm pretty sure you might be thinking the same thing, and we might have covered it in our previous episodes. But there was one time where the two of us and a few other people, we almost got into like a like almost like a gang kind of setting in middle school. Oh so, yeah. So uh, one of our buddies, for for some stupid reason, got into a beef with someone, and that someone has a gang of his own. Um, well, most, mostly just kids from our same grade, you know, not nothing to get scared of, but they were hanging out with high school kids. But because we were friends with our uh, the guy who got into beef with them, uh, they were bringing those high school kids onto our school and they were um, following us home hmm. from school. Like they were trying to fight us. Yes. So of course, it, it's you, me, and uh, another guy. 
And there was a fourth guy, but that fourth guy was supposed to be the tough guy of the school, but he he ran. He was the first one to disappear, right? He went back into his apartment and he just disappeared. He was a yeah, he yeah. was a clown. <laughs> it was a clown, and then so it was about twenty of them just following us. Um, and I I think we walked really far, uh, and you know they didn't want to come onto us because we were on the main road. But uh, if we weren't, they probably would have all jumped us. But the, the funny thing was, they they how long did they chase us for? I think twelve blocks. Or 12 11, 11 yeah, it's, 12 it's blocks. A long, it's a long way, yeah. Yeah, they followed us for a long time, and one of them also had a machete on them. You think or at least it, what looked like a what looked like a machete. Yeah, you think about like these kids in middle school, and they were like that serious. Yeah, they were bringing their high school buddies into it. <laughs> for me, there there's been a lot. Obviously, there's there's been a lot of uh, favorite memories. You know, there's been serious ones like the the story you told and there's been a lot of funny ones as well but uh <laughs> you know what some of them i'm not gonna say only for the sake of keeping it pg for mm-hmm. for you know the episode and uh but uh i guess my favorite memory probably has to be the time when you me and the other person from our circle, we were all on a weekend bike ride. Now, I don't know if you remember it, but we were all pretending and acting to be uh, individuals from uh, uh, GTA San Andreas. <laughs> Do you remember the one of the first missions where, or one of the second, I think second mission, where you end up taking a bike and then you end up going around the city and you're trying to escape from the balas? Mm-hmm. oh yeah yep yeah so we were so we were doing that so we were on our bikes you know uh kind of just you know do, doing our own thing having fun but then somehow we ended up going to an actual gang territory do you remember that yeah we ended up going to a gang territory uh which uh consisted of a number now i'm not gonna say the number obviously but uh, the territory was named after a number because there was an apartment building there. So people people named the uh, the street or the the uh, territory after that. But anyway, we were we were there, and I remember I had a flag on, and by flag I mean a bandana on my head. It was a specific color bandana that I had on my head. I'm not going to say which color, but specific color. And so did the other guy. I think you, I'm not sure if you had anything. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure I didn't. I don't wear bandanas. Yeah, you, you probably didn't have it. But it was. we both were wearing it. Mm-hmm. So, and those guys, they were, they were like the rival territory of the, the, the colors that we were wearing. Mm-hmm. So they saw, and obviously at the time, we didn't, we didn't care. We didn't, uh, you know, uh, think too much about it. But those guys saw us wearing that. And what they did was they ended up telling their boys mm-hmm. that were down the street that, hey, look, you know, we got a bunch of kids over here, uh, you know, from so-and-so uh, spying on us. Do you remember there used to be two twins in our school? Not the ones from our class, but there used to be other two twins. Uh, I, I do. Are you talking about the two tall twins? No, no, the other ones. The, they're boys? 
boys yeah, or girls? Yeah. Oh, okay. boys. Okay, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I remember they spotted us too, and they happened to live in that neighborhood, and they ended up telling them because they thought that we were there trying to spy on them. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a car following us too. But then they ended up telling them that no, these are just you know kids from our school. They're just riding bikes or whatever, which essentially you know got us out of that mess. Yeah. But they ended up uh, following us for a long time. But what makes this memory my favorite is what happened after. So what happened after was, I'm not sure if you were there at the time or you probably went to the store to grab something. Mm-hmm. But it was me. I, I distinctly remember it was me and the other guy and then this other friend that we had that used to live, um, you know, like 10 minutes away from there. We went to his place mm-hmm. or the, you know, the building that he lived in to, you know, visit him. And then the other guy that we had, he ended up uh, kept on pressing the elevator button whenever mm-hmm. people were trying to get in. Yeah. So the door kept opening. And he kept on doing that, he kept on doing that, he kept on doing that. And then to the point where the guy comes out and he literally caught him and grabbed him by the neck. And then me and the other guy, we just ran. So he grabbed the guy and he ran, like we, we all ran. We all ran for our lives. And then eventually he broke free and he ended up running as well. And then I think you came back at the time and you didn't know that we were, we were gone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they, if the guy in the lobby ended up confronting you or not, but I remember you walking in and we were hiding behind the bushes trying to signal you to come to us and not go into the lobby. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So <laughs> Dude, and our, it was, high it was, school, our middle school was just, it's fucked. It yeah. Fucked yeah. That's the easiest way to put it. But uh, yeah, no, that's that was one of my my favorite memories. I would say, as far as you know, comedic ones go. But we we have a lot, man. We have a lot that we can share. But mm. I would say that would be one of my uh, my short uh, stories. It's gotta be dangerous, right? Yes. The third question we had from the viewers, or I should say, listeners, was: What qualities are you looking for in a spouse? Oh, I'm gonna let you start off because you actually um, have a spouse, right? Well, you can't yes. call that yet. Te- technically. Technically, okay. yes. So for me, I think there's a few things that you got to look at. Number one, obviously, you know, compatibility. I would say. Now, obviously, you don't have to be the same as as your partner, or your spouse, but you need to be compatible with them. So you need to be that, you know, that missing puzzle piece that you can put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two would be you need to understand them. You know, not, not 50%, not 100%, but 200%. You need to know their, their likes, their needs, their dislikes, things like that to truly, you know, be able to communicate with them and understand who they are. You know, as opposed to finding out later on and, you know, things not working out. The last little piece of advice or, or I guess, quality that I look for is how they are with other people or how they treat other people. Whether it's, you know, the waiter at the restaurant 
or someone else's parents or even, you know, like a mutual friend or coworker or someone. Because obviously that says a lot about their character. Oh, yeah. Like what if, about if you? someone, uh, if someone's going to be rude to a waiter, like someone who is in a service position, how will they treat you, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Because that says a lot about them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. More about them than it does about, uh, you know, that, that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people make mistakes. And it's how you treat them. So I used to be with uh, someone who, well, I was with this girl who was exceptionally rude to waitstaff. Like she would argue with them and uh, to the point where the, the waiter would like, okay, I'm going to kick you guys out. Mm. So so like that, that's uh, pretty unattractive. And, and so I think the term we have for that now is called a Karen. Yes. <laughs> right? Karen everywhere. Yes. Yeah. So, sorry for the genuine Karens of this world, but uh, you know what I mean. Speaking so, of Karens, I, I, I actually read a stat yesterday where in 2020, babies named Karen actually, I think they increased by, I think, 180% or something like that, something wild like that. Increase? In the past, yeah, an, a, a name increase for the name Karen. Well, that's like a bad reason. Like usually people are like, oh God, I don't want to name my kid after that. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing. And people are actually naming their babies that. Have you, you know, Adolf Hitler. And uh, so after the real, after Adolf Hitler, right? People stopped naming their kids Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> like in Europe, you know, people, there are people who named their kids Adolf. And yeah. And when Adolf Hitler came, people stopped naming their kids Adolf. Yeah, I like enough of that. Yeah. What, what, what I look for or what qualities I want in a spouse is uh, communication. Are they, are they someone who are willing to talk to you to sort out problems or they just kind of hold everything in? Mm-hmm. Even if they mean good, right? Like they're trying to hold everything in. What if you hurt them by accident and they try to hold everything in um, out of good intention, but eventually you keep holding things in, you're going to explode. Yep. Yeah, so it's important to, uh, you know, have someone who is willing to talk and communicate. Um, so that's number one. Num- number two is, uh, is this a person that you are comfortable seeing every day? It doesn't mean you have to, but would you, would it bother you? Would it, would you be comfortable seeing them every day? If you are comfortable, then, you know, this is someone for you. Hmm. Um, so as you know, I don't have a spouse, so I am not a, I'm not as qualified as you to talk to our viewers about this or our listeners about this. Uh, so those are the two qualities I look for someone. Well, I'll give you a number three. It's I, I, I want them to be a smart and independent person. So you don't want to be in a situation where either person depends on the other. Mm, right? you wanna, I like that one. You want to be in a situation where both people kind of, uh, you know, it's about us, not you or him or she or him or whatever. Mm. Right? It's about us. It's both people contribute. Not, neither, uh, no one is uh, dependent on the other. So, so those are my three. Okay. The last question we had was, what is the most embarrassing moment? Or this could be like recent, past, or the most embarrassing moment you had in your life. Okay, I could give my most embarrassing one. And it happened when I was in grade two. 
So, uh, you know, I just came to Canada. I didn't speak English. The only thing I knew how to say was, if I wanted to pee, was, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Whatever, I, I need to pee. I didn't even know how to say I need to use the washroom. I just said I need to pee or I want to pee. <laughs> and then, uh, so in, in my in my first school, when I came to Canada, uh, you know, the school had a washroom in the basement. But that, that washroom didn't have a locked door, so strangers could actually go into that washroom. So the rule is that, during study times or during class times, you're not supposed to use that washroom. If you want to use the washroom, the teacher will take you to another classroom because in that classroom in the corner, there's a washroom there, which is kind of awkward. Hmm. So when I wanted to pee, I would ask the teacher and the teacher would bring me through that classroom and into the washroom and I would, I would go in there. But, you know, back then I was, I didn't know why he had to do that. I didn't know that that was the only washroom available. So every time I wanted to use the washroom, I, I was pretty embarrassed because I had to walk through a whole bunch of people and they were all staring at me. So there's one time where I wanted to pee, I just didn't have the guts to ask the teacher. So eventually what happened is I, I just peed my pants. Damn. So I was, okay, I was six years old. Okay, I don't pee my pants anymore. I'm just saying I was six years old. So don't laugh at me, guys. <laughs> That's pretty embarrassing. I, you know, at least I'm being honest right there. Yeah. I'm being honest. No, that's that's uh, that's intense. So, what what happened after that? Mm, well, after that, I I actually changed school, not because of that incident, but that was near the the end of the school year. So after that, I went to a new school, and I, uh, it's a different situation. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I mean, it was a fresh start too. Yeah. No one would know that I'm the guy who peed his pants. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> So what about you? What's your most embarrassing thing? So the most embarrassing or not, I guess, okay, you can say it's embarrassing, but uh, not one of the most. I had a lot of embarrassing moments uh, growing up, but uh, I would say one of the uh, most embarrassing moments that I can remember was when I was going to the movies. I was... uh, who was I with? I was with a couple of people, or friends. I was going to the movies, and we grabbed our we grabbed our popcorn and everything, and then we ended up going to our our uh, theater. And then I'm going up the stairs, and obviously it's dark. You know, ads are playing and everything, and mm-hmm. you have those little dimmed lights by the steps. Right. And somehow, some way, I ended up missing a step, so I ended up uh, tripping. I tripped, my popcorn fell, like it literally flew up in the sky, <laughs> fell on some random uh, people that were sitting in the, in the seats, mm-hmm. and then that's not the embarrassing part. The embarrassing part is what happened after that. So as I was tripping, I couldn't grab my balance, so I ended up tripping. I ended up going backwards and tripping on top of a lady. She was like a heavier, a bigger lady, mm-hmm. and then... It caused her to trip and fall as well, which dropped her drinks, mm-hmm. and then I landed on top of her. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's like how old was the lady? She probably I would say like in her thirties, maybe or forties, and I was like I was a teenager. I was like maybe thirteen or fourteen. Wow! So you landed on uh, wow, you landed yeah, on the catch, eh? Yeah. <laughs> 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 she broke my fall though. I'll, oh, I'll okay. give you. I'll say that, but. Uh, Honestly, I was so embarrassed when that happened. And then to the point where I didn't even apologize or anything, I literally just got up 
Mm-hmm. And then I just ran out of the uh, the theater. And then I literally told my friend, my friends came out, they're like, yo, you good? You good? I was like, bro, I can't go back in there. Mm-hmm. Everybody saw I can't go back in there. And then um, we ended up talking to the uh, the people mm-hmm. uh, for the movie theater uh, people. And then they ended up giving our uh, refunds back. They ended up giving us our refunds. So I didn't know this, but, uh, you know, I don't know about American uh, movie theaters, but uh, Cineplex, mm-hmm. they actually do that. Where if you were to buy a ticket for a movie mm-hmm. and if you, you know, for whatever reason, got to go or, or don't like the movie or, or whatever, mm-hmm. then they can issue you a refund for that. But okay. for the first for the first 15 minutes, though. Mm-hmm. OK, so, you know, it, it worked out and then we, we ended up um, grabbing our stuff and just uh, leaving. But uh, yeah, that, that would I would say would be. One of the most embarrassing, like up there, for me. Okay, okay. I mean, I guess things get embarrassing when there's other people or strangers involved, right? Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't even okay. I you know just that, that I fell. It was literally like I I fumbled and I literally tripped and then landed on someone else, which caused a chain reaction of my popcorn flying off, you know, and hitting someone. And then uh, the lady behind me, her drinks falling and, and and her screaming and everybody watching. Like you have like. 50 to 60 people just looking at you you know it was yeah yeah like all of a sudden if you become the uh the center of attention and it's not for something that's congratulatory it's, it's bad yes <laughs> okay well uh let's let's move on to our uh, first um topic that our viewers can impart from so i think uh in the past episodes uh some of our viewers have stated that uh, that you know, we should be giving more investments, uh, ideas, or advices that that could benefit them, as opposed to just talking about how our you know our portfolios are doing, right? Right. Okay. Well, so for I think you know I'm doing a really good job on my portfolio. So rather than talking about the actual portfolio, I wanted to uh, give five um, investing tricks, or not tricks, but uh, axioms. So axioms means uh, a simple truth. So things that we assume to be true. Um, um, so I just want to give five truths of investments. So I think uh, this can really help some of our viewers, our listeners, if they're new to investing. Uh, so okay. the number one thing is finance and investing is a lifestyle. Um, so, uh, so I'll say that again. Uh, finance and investing is a lifestyle it's not a task and it's not a status quo it's not something you do as a chore it's a lifestyle you have to live so if you think about it right if you want to develop a really good body um, mental or physical health you can't just go on a diet and you can't just do one training regimen you have to do everything you have to uh, live a lifestyle uh, that's fit that's fitness so the, the same thing uh, goes for financing investing. Um, so when you live a lifestyle, for example, if you if you live the finance or investing lifestyle, you will inevitably spend more time, energy, and efforts on that, right? Because if you treat something as a lifestyle, chances are you're either developing interest for that or you already are interested. So if you're interested in something, you're more likely to spend time, effort, and energy on it. So far, it makes sense, right? Right. Right. So 
isn't uh, spending more time, energy, and effort just another way of saying practice? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%, no doubt. Right. So when you develop a lifestyle out of finance and investing, uh, you are interested in it. You will yes. start to learn, research, and uh, develop your own strategies and tactics that will make you more wealthy. And you'll be less reliant on others. So it's like fitness, right? If you don't see it as a lifestyle, you're just going to, you know, maybe do some crash diets or do some workout. You don't see results and then you quit. But then if you see it as a lifestyle, you are consistent. You're always learning how to better train yourself. And eventually over time, you will reach your goal. So if you just see investing as a lifestyle and develop a genuine interest and, and uh, gamify investments, uh, you will be much better off. So that's number one. Um, okay. Number two is investing is not the same thing as gambling. Um, so I think with recent um, development in the stock market, uh, this is really important because you know a lot of people are uh, you know just watching Wall Street bets or following meme stocks, and then oh, yeah. uh, they're missing the points that you know these are not companies that you really want to invest in. Um, most people who are buying it, they're just trying to hype it up and then they'll dump it. Um, so I, you know, I have nothing against taking huge risks on certain cryptocurrencies, pink sheets, or small cap growth stocks. I have no problem with that. But the thing is, th there's a fine line between investing and gambling. When you're investing, what you're doing is you're putting money into a company that pays dividends, that's going to grow, that has a, a good track record, and it's going to be growing over time. That's that's when you should be buying into a position, and then just letting your money stay there for years. And, and that's yeah oh, go sorry. ahead no go ahead sorry what i was gonna say was and that's the thing that a lot of people these days don't understand they are looking at investing as if they're gambling investing literally it's, it's in the word you're investing in a in a stock in a company because you see potential in it mm -hmm. while meanwhile people are literally gambling gambling is a risk sure you can gain but then you can lose as well and you should never look at it that way. But the way things are going right now, you know, based on uh, the recent frenzy, mm -hmm. that's the way people are seeing it. They're seeing it as a, well, I mean, in, in, in their minds, they're seeing it as, you know, they're, that they're investing. But in reality, all they're doing is they're gambling. And I say this to every new investor. If you don't find yourself making any money from your investments, Within the first three months, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And uh, just throw away the idea that, oh, you could double your money or you could get rich quick. Yeah, there's, there's very few things you can genuinely get rich quick on other than luck. Right. If you if you bought like, you know, some Dogecoins or whatever, Dogecoin, Dogecoin, however you want to call it. Yeah, uh, you know, you know that you're not investing in it. You know that the the coin ha is a meme coin. It's only up yeah. because people are hyping it. Um, so now it dropped, right? I, I I do feel bad for people who lost money on it, and I do applaud people who gain money on it. Uh, but those are the the vast minority of people. So right. investing is the actual reliable way to uh, generate wealth, but then also preserve it over time. That's the key difference. Investing leads to preservation of wealth. Whereas gambling, you can generate wealth, but you're more likely to develop a bad mindset that's going to cause you to gamble more and then lose everything you gained. 
um, mm -hmm. I would just go on uh, YouTube. There's a channel I forgot what's it called. Um, but um, if you if you just type in the the term buy low sell high, you will be able to see it's the most popular video. It, it, it's just it's hilarious. It's about a guy who bought a meme coin, and then uh, by the end of the video, he jumped off the house, uh, his condo. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> Um, so number three is uh, diversification is almost always good because um, you know if you just buy if your portfolio is just made up of one or two or three stocks and goodness forbid one or three you know meme stocks uh, you're gonna be fucked you want to buy as many different uh, sectors and uh, stable companies as possible Right when you think of uh, General Electric, General Electric, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is a stable company. It's something you want to buy into. But let's say if you if your portfolio is uh, uh, you know ninety percent General Electrics, then your portfolio would have dropped eighty percent in value from September uh, two thousand um, yeah from the year two thousand until now. Mm -hmm. Now, if your stock was if your stock portfolio was uh, diversified, you're only going to be losing a little bit of money. So always diversify your assets with, uh, you know, real estates, ETFs, cryptocurrency, if you want to, uh, index funds, growth stocks, dividend aristocrats, and uh, real estate investment trust. So try to diversify your portfolio uh, because if something uh, really screws up, um, you are sheltered because the, the other companies, the other stocks that you have, they might not go down and that will preserve your portfolio from losing too much value. Okay. Yes, and that's that's a very important uh, thing to keep in mind and to take into account. Yeah. And essentially, that goes with anything else as well. You know, you know, non 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 investing wise as well. You can't keep your eggs in the same basket. Right. Essentially, that that's the best way to put it. Don't put all your eggs in the same basket. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the fourth one. You know what? I'm gonna save the fourth one for last because it's so important. Um. Uh, always try try to look out for discounts okay uh, i'm not saying try to time the market because if you try to time the market uh, you're not always going to win but it's always good to look at strong good developed companies and then when they dip that's when you buy it um, so a really good time uh, a really good example of that is you know all, all these large real estate investment companies um, oil and gas and infrastructure companies they all crashed in March 2020 because of the pandemic but the only mm. reason why they crashed is people is because people got scared but they didn't realize that all these companies they had like at least 95% um, uh, rent collection rates so smart centers uh, real can they all have like over 90% rent collection rate so I was able to buy in a lot of those when uh, when they were on discounts. So always try to buy stocks on discounts. And lastly, the most important thing is, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, this is the most important bit, is when you're investing, be rational, not emotional. Just because yes. your portfolio goes down does not mean you gotta sell. Right. That that and I'm glad you you saved the best for last. Mm -hmm. I I totally agree with that, because again, a lot of these new investors, uh, or I should say, quote unquote investors, they don't understand, you know, how the market's working. They're just going based off trends, or or, or fads, I should say. And 
they're you know investing their money in a company, but then all of a sudden when it it drops, they they panic sell. Yep. Which the uh, which they end up losing on. That's you see the the thing is um, and it's really hard now. Well, not hard. It's it's really a a worse situation now because. With Wealthsimple or Questrade, there's a lot of uh, retail traders are able to start investing uh, with very little capital. And then, you know, these are people who have not received uh, training when it comes to trading or investing. So what happened is they'll buy into something they see on Facebook, right? They'll go on Facebook Wealthsimple Trading Group and they'll say, oh, what stock should I buy? And then 99% of the time, it's going to be someone who wants to dump a stock. They'll say, oh, buy this one. And then the guy buys it. And then five days later, it goes down a bit, and then they sell it, so they lose money. Mm-hmm. Right. So always make rational decisions. Buy companies that you understand, you've done research for, and then if you've made a good decision buying a real good quality company, then just hold it. Don't dump it just because. Well, sorry, don't sell it just because it went down a bit. Market fluctuates, and that's just the nature of how things work. Yes. So those are the five axioms or five truths that I hold dear when I uh, engage and maneuver around in the stock market. Okay, I like that. Thank you. I'm actually gonna write these down after we're done, so that uh, you know we could save this for any you know future episodes where these questions do come up, mm-hmm. and we can refer them back to this. But uh, thank you for that. No problem. Okay, so let's get into the topic for today. How to land the job that you want or how to get the job that you really want. Now, obviously, when it comes to a job, I'm, I'm not talking about just a regular job. I'm talking about a, it could be a career, a career position, you know, that you're looking for or simply just a job itself that you're trying to, you know, uh, get. Now, there are a few factors that you got to, you know, look into when you are trying to land the the, uh, the perfect job for yourself. And obviously, this goes without saying, but the number one thing you need to know is obviously the the field or the niche that you're trying to get into as far as a job goes. Number two, you need to obviously check to see what your qualifications are you know, versus what the job is asking for. Are you qualified for this role? Number three, you need to understand the company and the direction of the company. Because if this is something that you're going to be doing, you're going to be doing it for a while or a long time, you need to understand that this is what you're going to be doing, you know, in your day-to-day. Is it something that you want to do? And obviously, you know, last but not least, Understand your goal. Why are you looking to get this job? Why do you want to land this job? Is it because of financial gain, money? Is it because of, you know, career growth? Is it because you're looking for the experience? What is it exactly that you're trying to gain or you're trying to get or achieve from landing this job? So once you have all those things out of the way, The first thing you're going to do is do your homework. You're going to be looking for the right employer. Now, this is very easy in in this day and age, obviously, because of the Internet. Mm -hmm. You can use the Internet 
and even you know trade magazines and make a list of companies that you would like to work for and then you can even get anonymous feedback on you know these companies and roles through existing employees through this uh, website called uh, best companies guide mm -hmm. again this is not a sponsorship or anything but uh, just some advice there also uh, another one that uh, I personally like to use and I've actually used a lot is called Glassdoor. Oh, yeah. Where it gives you reviews on the job. It tells you, you know, the ratings, uh, the pros and cons. And essentially, you know, it gives you a, a, like a detailed rundown of that company and role. Now, one thing to keep in mind is to not wait for vacancies. A lot of the times what people do is if there's a job that they're looking for, a particular role that they're looking for, and they don't see it or it's been filled, they would wait to see if there's going to be a quote-unquote vacancy. Now, that rarely happens where, you know, if somebody just got the role, it's off, you know, the listing, and then all of a sudden it shows up again. That, that, that almost never happens. Another thing that you got to think about, and I've actually heard someone say this here, uh, at my at my work is think rifle not shotgun so it's better to focus on a handful of good matches than shotgun hundreds of badly copied uh, you know CVs and, and, and resumes through like an agency or something and obviously when it comes to you know all these things the most important thing is to you know stay committed you have to be committed. If you want to land a job for a company or a role, you need to stay committed. Whether that's you reaching out to, you know, recruitment agencies or trying to contact, you know, somebody from the company directly. You know, I mean, my view of agencies is that it's, it's okay to use them. But at the end of the day, it's your job and you need to be fully engaged with the process itself. You can't let someone else decide what's best for you, especially when their only motivation mm. is essentially to make money off you is commission. The second part would be to create a excellent cover letter, both resume and cover letter. Now, obviously, this goes without saying, but you need to personalize it based on the application you're applying for uh, and uh there are some, you know, tips and tricks for resume building that you can find online, depending on the field you're in or the role that you're looking for. Now, some of the main mistakes people make would be uh, spelling mistakes. Now, there is a stat where spelling mistakes actually alienate 77% of business people, mm -hmm. according to uh, a research that was done in Hertford Share University. So, you know, use spell checker. You know, that goes without saying. Get someone you trust to pre proofread your work. And there's also websites that you can use as well online to proofread if you want to do that. Now, obviously, you want to be professional. You want to present yourself. So your resume is going to speak for you to get that door open for that interview. So you don't want to go crazy with designs. You want to make it professional, uh, conservative. Uh, you know, one advice that I was given uh, in my early uh, days 
when I was trying to land jobs was that a good cover letter is supposed to be short. So about half a page, neatly typed, you know, grammatically correct. And the little things that you're applying for. So like, you know, uh, your sincerely is signed off, you know, by hand, uh, a proper and polite uh, salutation, things like that. And then the next main thing would be obviously to get that interview. Now, when it comes to getting an interview, it's not easy. It's you versus hundreds of different people applying for that same role or in that company. So when I was in uh, uni, I had a professor who taught us about this uh, thing called the hidden job market. Now essentially how this hidden job market model works is that once you get through all the steps that I've mentioned earlier, you would have to land your interview with that company. Now, in order to land an interview with that company, even if the role is not available, you would have to actually reach out to the company, whether it's you speaking with someone who's currently a part of the company, uh, someone who's in that specific role, or even their HR department itself, just to get some you know, pointers, some tips on what the company looks for, what qualifications, education, things like that that they look for, uh, for people that are applying for that role or that job in the company. Now, there are a few ways you can do this, but the way it was explained to us was that old school works the best. So actually reaching out to the company through you know, uh, LinkedIn, search for individuals that are currently working for the company, send them a, a professional email, introductory email, asking for an informational interview, just to get a better idea about the company, uh, the role, you know, things like that just for, for your understanding and, you know, for, for your knowledge. But in order to truly, truly land a job, it's important to put a face to the name. So my suggestion would be to reach out to either a manager, a hiring manager, or HR itself of that company and ask for an information interview. Now, statistically, according to this prof, this technique actually got a lot of people a second interview because of the fact that they reached out to these individuals, they were able to put a face to the name, introduce themselves, and have them there left with a good impression. Now, Obviously, when it comes to an interview itself, this goes without saying, but you got to give a really good interview in order to be, you know, even considered. And the best way to do these, or, you know, the best tips I would say uh, that I can give to do this would be obviously to dress professional, conservatively. Don't bring anyone with you to the interview itself. Be punctual. Prepare ahead of time. You know, be friendly, be confident, but not overconfident. Always shake hands. Now, obviously, right now we're in a pandemic, so things might work a little differently. It might even be virtual. Essentially, 
if you suffer suffer from you know nervousness or you know sweaty palms, you know discreetly just wipe your hand on your clothes or or, or something before a handshake's required. But there's nothing worse than you know having a, a white fish handshake. Hmm. So handshakes are important. Uh, obviously, this one also goes without saying, but hygiene matters. You know, candidates have created very bad impressions on companies and even people that I've seen in my experience that did come for job interviews uh, when I did work in uh, retail banking, mm-hmm. where they had BO or something stuck in their teeth. Or they weren't wearing uh, very clean, uh, clean clothes. You know, I just want to cut in. Um, this is a, this is a one time some guy showed up to an interview in a blue dress shirt, tucked into blue jeans, while wearing a croc or a pair of Crocs. Oh my god! Yeah. So okay, so he was okay. So when you wear a dress shirt, generally you may have something below that. You may be wearing something below that. So he didn't. So you can actually see his like his stomach. Through his shirt, so oh man, prob- <laughs> I just wanted to add that in when you were talking about dress code. No, I mean you, you, you being in HR, you've probably seen that a lot. You know where some of these tips that I'm giving right now, you've probably seen a lot of these when it comes to leaving a good impression. Oh yeah, uh, being professional and whatnot. So yeah, I bet I bet you have a lot of stories. Oh, there's a lot, and that we can talk for a while. <laughs> But uh, yeah, hygiene matters. Uh, And obviously, to end it all off, throughout the entire process, be respectful. You know, from the very start to the very end, be respectful. And then once you get to the point where you've got the interview, you've killed it, even if it's an informational interview, you've, you've got the information you're looking for, You've talked about about yourself. You've tell, told them your your path and what you're looking for, and understood how they got to where they are. You've left that impression. The next thing you're gonna do is write a thank you letter or email. Now, obviously, again, this is another no-brainer. You should always be saying thank you and highlight anything you felt that you might have, you know, learned in that interview, in that informational interview from that individual. Or if there's anything that you you want to bring up as far as the conversation goes from that interview or informational interview, you know this leaves a very good impression on people, and I've noticed that very very few people actually do this, and it's a good way to make a strong and positive impression in front of that individual. But uh, yeah, that's what uh, I have as far as uh, some of these uh, tips and tricks go. Anything you want to add that I missed? Mm, I would add, um, in addition to Glassdoor, and what was the first one you mentioned? The first one that I mentioned was Best Companies Guide. Oh, okay. So in addition to those two, you want to look at uh, BBB or Better Business Bureau. Uh, so that's probably a first. You don't even want to check out the company more. If you see that there's so many scam con- uh, complaints on Better Business Bureau about the company. Right. Mm. Even if Glassdoor is really well, if a company is getting so many of these complaints, assinuating that it is a scam company, you probably don't want to interview there anymore. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I would like to add. 
Okay. No, that's a good one. I actually didn't know about that one. Now, as far as, you know, me personally, career-wise go, I've actually used a lot of these tips and tricks that I've learned over time just from experience itself. Now, obviously, a lot, a lot of failure came with that as well because I remember when I, when I used to apply to uh, places when, uh, when we were younger, people encouraged you to go in, make an impression, drop off your resume. That way you put a face to the name. These days, everything is done online, so it's, it's become more harder. Now, I remember when I used to actually go into, you know, stores and, and places to actually drop off my resume, I used to always have someone with me. And that was the biggest mistake that I used to make because they used to show that I wasn't uh, confident enough to do it on my own. And I learned that the hard way. Other things that I, I learned along the way is that if you were rejected, even after an interview or, or, or whatever the case may be, is it's very important to ask for feedback. Understand where you went wrong or what went wrong, what you can improve in, and what advice you can get from them if you were to do it differently. And those you know, things obviously set you up for success. What about yourself? Anything you want to add? Well, in regards to career progression, um, I wanted to say that I actually didn't know what I wanted to get into when I was in high school. So I, I just went into business. But uh, mm -hmm. after the first year, I kind of uh, really liked HR because it almost felt like playing a video game. Some of the video games I used to play when I was younger uh, are like city builder games. So, but for some reason, it just, it just um, you know, HR made me feel like that city builder because you're trying to uh you know in hr you're trying to solve problems you're trying to piece things together so things work so that's what kind of got me into hr so you know how i got here is after school after uh school ended i've just been looking for um just been looking really hard for work until i finally got lucky and landed one so i'm pretty happy where i'm right now but um you know i am taking concrete steps to further my career i think uh, maybe four or five years is the most that someone has uh, is the most amount of time someone should give to a company before they really become too comfortable and then that stifles their ability to grow and develop further mm, you don't want to create that glass ceiling for yourself glass ceiling and just um, staying where i am the longer you mm -hmm. stay the more people feel that you are happy where you are right and if you do too good of a job they might think that oh you're perfect for this role and they might not even uh, want to make you hire or promote you for something that you are able to do that's very true mm -hmm. so that's where i kind of want to go with right now it's uh, it's really further my career uh that may or may not mean going somewhere else okay no that's fair enough sounds fair mm -hmm. So let me ask you a question then, Tian. Mm -hmm. Since we're on the topic about, you know, careers and, and work, how would you stay motivated at work? Or what, what do you do to stay motivated at work? That's a, that's a perfect question. So, like, I, I have not experienced working from home for more than two weeks, okay? Because 
since this pandemic started, I've always been working in the office since January this year. So it's been six months now. I've been one of only, you know, 20 people in the, in the office and our office is meant for 600 people. So that's less than, I think, 5% capacity. So it's, it's pretty quiet. It's like a ghost town in my office. And over time, you actually, uh, you actually get bored. And uh, it's actually worse for some of our agents who are working from home because when they were in the office, at least they got to talk to each other. So they were, they were able to develop a sense of community and belongingness that helped them become motivated and engaged. But now, because they've not, been, they've not seen their managers or, or teammates for six months, you can actually start hearing their, uh, their personality change a little bit. You know, when you, when you monitor their phone calls, you can hear them showing more aggression in the way they speak. So you, you having worked in like a compliance role and you listen or monitor to calls, have you picked that up before? Well, not not essentially, no. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because for some of our agents, uh, you know, they're, they're usually really bubbly. But, you know, the agents who've been working from home for more than six months to a year, the way they speak on the phone now is, is quite aggressive. So that, that may have changed uh, the way they behave. Uh, and that makes sense, actually, because, uh, you know, even just with the work in general, right. I feel like a lot of people, you know, it's now, obviously, work is work, whether you're working from, you know, on site or at home or on an airplane or whatever the case is, mm -hmm. you know, work is work, you have to treat it that way, right. you have to treat it with the same professionalism, the, the, you know, the same energy that you, you would put in it when you were coming in regularly, right, so I can see, I can see where that, uh, that, that comes in. Mm -hmm. because of how things are now right so so for me um you know what i what i do to stay motivated at work is i i do actually uh you know being in nature i do spend a lot of time working with people even though it's not in person i still get a lot of time to actually communicate and speak with people and that actually excites me so so what really motivates me is it's part of the job that really motivates me so i'm kind of lucky there uh, something mm -hmm. else i do is i i do spend some time uh exercising at work not like lifting weights or anything but you know my, my work does require me to be on my feet sometimes so mm -hmm. that that actually counts towards my overall uh distance travel per day which i do factor in to my uh, my daily workout routine so so that helps a bit but, but, you know, overall, I've just been pretty uh, stable, uh, mentally and emotionally stable at work. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. 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 For me, the things that I, I do or I like to do, you know, to, to motivate myself to, you know, work hard, especially when there are, you know, days when you're not really in the mood to work. I mean, everyone has them. doesn't matter if you're... Uh, where you are in the food chain, whether you're a senior manager, director, or even, you know, a regular employee, you know, it happens. We're human, right? But mm -hmm. some ways that I like to motivate myself would be not to think of it as as if I'm doing hard work. I could have a very busy day where I got to do a lot of things, you know, but I would never tell myself that this is hard work. I would tell myself that this is just a regular routine that mm -hmm. you're doing. And I try not to think about how difficult or frustrating or impossible, you know, that might be. 
another thing that I like to do is I like to create uh, small goals for myself throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So that okay, so you know, by this time I'm gonna have I'm gonna have this completed. By this time I'm gonna do this, or by this time I'll have this, this, and this. By you creating these goals, you're already setting your setting yourself up for success, because it's not only gonna you know motivate yourself, but it's gonna be in the back of your head that hey look I gotta get this done. So you're not gonna procrastinate. You're not gonna be like okay I don't know what to do right now, or you know whatever the case may be. Um, I also like to take breaks. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about breaks that, you know, uh, that that are obviously given, but I like to take little small breaks in between. So like two to three minutes, I'll I'll stop what I'm doing, go for a walk, go outside to get some fresh air, you know, and then come back, start again. So you need to, you need to press that that pause button that that reset button in order to keep your your brain you know functioning throughout the day because it gets really stale and you know it can obviously demotivate you quick especially if you're uh you're bored at work or something right Mm -hmm. and then ultimately man i just I, i tell myself to just just do it you know to get motivated you know to to start doing something uh, from my own experience, the most effective trick for me is to, you know, just do it. You know, it, it works. As soon as you think something needs to be done, jump on it. You know, doing it immediately. Of course, provided, you know, everyone and, you know, the work they do can be different. But you can't think about anything else. So you have to suppress every everything else in your mind and keep your mind blank and... If you need to act as a robot, you know, as weird as that sounds, just do it. It works. And the last thing that I, I essentially like to do is I like to celebrate my wins, big or small. Mm-hmm. So back to, you know, the whole goal creating thing. So when you create goals throughout the day, you know, you, you know how long your, your work day is going to be. You know how many, you know, X amount of things you need to do or how many files you need to work on or whatever the case is. You, after completing a certain amount, you know, for the agenda that you set for yourself, Mm -hmm. celebrate the win. Acknowledge the good that you're doing. You know, don't discount the little things. You know, I mean, think about it, you know, as as a human, how many times do you scold yourself for doing something small that wasn't perfect? You know, or how often do you think good things such as being on time or, or signing a new... Uh, you know, account or, or client or something, mm-hmm. you know, how, how it's meant to be, how simple it's meant to be. But, you know, we don't, we don't think about these things. Right. So you got to tell yourself, you got to, you got to start celebrating those things. You know, you got to, you got to put those wins in your life and that's going to motivate you and encourage you and help you see, you know, how brilliant you are. And obviously the, the last thing that I would say would be, you know, consistency. Consistency. You have to be consistent. Doesn't matter if you're if your day consists of doing three things or doing fifty things. You have to stay consistent. That's perfect. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh Tien, anything you want to say or add before we end the show off? Uh nope. I am good. Okay. 
Okay, so I'm going to leave you with the quote of the day. I don't know who uh, said this quote, so I'm just going to say, you know, X, but uh, here's how it goes. Either you run the day or the day runs you. And you can sleep on that. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Adil. My name is Tian. And this has been Showtime. <laughs>